That was really good worship tonight. Let's give them a round of applause. That was incredible. Yes. Yeah, it's so good to see you guys. If you're new, I just want to say welcome. It's so good to have you here. If I haven't met you yet, uh, make sure to come and introduce yourself after service. If you're not new, I do love you too, and you can come talk to after service. I always, yeah, so guys, I'm just so glad that everyone's here. I know it's cold outside, although it is a bit warmer than it's been, but it's a little bit cold, and it's a Thursday night, third week in the semester, things are busy, and I'm just so thankful that you guys chose to come hang out here tonight, because I know there's so many other things you could be doing. So for the last two weeks, we've been doing this series called, called Resolutions, which is based off of New Year resolutions, and we've been saying, hey, or what are some, or some God-centered resolutions that, or that each of us should make as we're going into 2016? So the first week, we talked about going all in for God and just saying, hey, I'm going to commit my life to you. That was the first week we said, and we said in 2016, we're going to make a resolution to go all in for God. And then last week, it was a resolution to actually open the Bible and to read it daily. So that was the cry that, hey, guys, let's read our Bibles. Now, this week, the resolution is to pray. So simply for the next few minutes, we're just going to talk about prayer. And, and we're actually going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. So I'm sure if you grew up in some type of religious background, you probably prayed the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I know for me, when I prayed the Lord's Prayer when I was a kid, it was just like just reciting these words. Uh, it didn't really mean anything to me. But as we dig into the Lord's Prayer, there's really some cool stuff. So I'm excited to jump into that. So how many of you guys uh, have just ever seen God answer a prayer in a really cool way? Like God just stepped in your situation and just answered a prayer you prayed. For me, there's, there's a lot of times that God has just done cool things, you know. And, and there's one story in particular that I always like to tell people when I talk about prayer. So in my freshman year here at UNI, I was living in Norin, and my older brother, Aaron, was actually a fifth-year senior, and he was a business major and planning to go on to law school. And he had been applying for a bunch of different law schools, like pretty much any place that would take him. But there's one school in particular that, or that he really had his heart set on going to. And I knew that he had applied about two months before, but he hadn't really heard anything. And by that point, it seems like you might not be getting in, obviously. It's been a while. <clears throat> so there's one morning I was in the shower, and I was just praying, God, give me someone to pray for. I just said, put someone's name on my heart. And my brother's name, just, just right away, was just so clear. I, I just needed to pray for Aaron. And I said, God, what do you want me to pray about? And God just kind of spoke, you know, like it wasn't this audible voice in the shower head. It was just, just felt it on my heart to pray that Aaron would get into the law school that he wants to get into. So I prayed that, and that was about it. And then just later that afternoon, I had a class with him. So we planned it out so we could have one class together, a fifth-year senior and a freshman. It was law and politics class. Uh, it was fun. Uh, but, yeah, so anyway, so afterwards, I told Aaron, I said, hey, man, I just want to let you know that I prayed for you today to to get into that law school. And that's all I said. And he's like, thanks, man. That's cool. About two minutes later, he texts me. He's like, dude, you're never going to believe this. Like, literally, right when I turned around, I got an email on my phone saying I got in. It was just an incredible thing. Right in that moment, they were sending the email to Aaron to tell him that he got in. And it was just crazy that God would choose to do it at that time. Because Aaron could have got that email later that day or, or maybe a couple weeks before. But it was right when I told him that that I had prayed for him. And it's not like a crazy miracle or anything, but it's God saying, I care about you. It's God saying, I hear your prayers. And that was really encouraging for me. And that still encourages me to keep praying. And that really encouraged him. And guys, I want to call us as a group tonight <clears throat> to begin to pray because the, the reality is, is the more we pray, 
the more we're going to see God's activity in our life. And sometimes I'm wondering, God, God, you know, I'm just not feeling you. You know, I'm just not into this thing. God's like, seek me. You'll find me. Pray. You're going to see more activity. So that's kind of the call tonight. If we want to see God's activity in our lives, we have to pray. I don't think, because I don't think we can be a Christian and not pray. Like, I just don't think they go together. God calls each of us, each of us who are Christians and everyone actually, to come into relationship with him. It's not just about doing some religious thing or praying the Lord's Prayer before bed because we're supposed to. It's about this intimate relationship where God intersects our life and says, I'm here. Just like that good, good father song. It was so incredible. God is a good, good father. And I, don't, and I know that some of you didn't have a good dad. So maybe that's hard to, to really picture. So, or if you need to think of a good mother. But God loves you. He calls you his child. He created you. He says he knitted you together in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. So that's what God's calling us to tonight. To really engage in this relationship and pray. We need prayer, guys. We need it. And it seems like something that's so simple. Like, you know, we just have to talk to God. But Jesus really outlines how we should pray in Matthew chapter 6. So I'm excited to jump into that. So just to review, as I said, throw up the resolution from two weeks ago, or from three weeks ago. So the first resolution was we resolve to be consecrated, which is just wholly devoted to Jesus. Second week was we resolve to be active, or to actively read and be rooted in the word of God. And now this week, this is our resolution. As a body, as a team, guys, we're a group, we're a family, this is what we're resolving to do. It's we resolve to pursue intimate relationship with Jesus through prayer. That's the call tonight. So as I said, Matthew chapter six, we're gonna jump in there. And it's really funny, We've already been in Matthew 6 four times now this year. It just seems that God keeps leading us here. Uh, During our Freedom Series, which was our Christmas series, talking about God freeing us from different emotional issues like anxiety and bitterness and things like that, just Matthew chapter 6 kept answering those questions. Now we're in Matthew chapter 6 again, and and it's this chapter that's that's right in the middle of this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. So it's this really popular sermon. If you've heard, like, the turn the other cheek thing from Jesus or don't judge, it all comes from the Sermon on the Mount. And... And he's kind of teaching the disciples, he's teaching people, this is how you live out the kingdom of God in everyday life. So it's really applicable. It's how do you be a Christian in our world? How do you carry the presence of God with you in everything you do? So that's what the Sermon on the Mount is explaining. And right in the middle of it, he starts to talk about prayer. For me, I really want to know what Jesus says about prayer because sometimes I stink at it and I don't know what I'm doing. So let's read it. Let's see what Jesus says. Let's see what Jesus says about prayer. So there's two questions he answers in here. The first one is this, just what is prayer? And then the second question is how should we pray? So we're going to answer each of those questions in turn tonight. And I pray that, at, that after this service, we walk out of here saying, hey, I'm going to pray every day and just pursue Jesus. So let's read it. It's Matthew 6, verse 5 through 13. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. I'm sure you've heard this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the end of the prayer. So here's the main thing I want you guys to get tonight. Prayer is not just a religious activity. It's not something we do just to get, to get in good with God. Praying is not going to get us in good with God. It's not like, ooh, you prayed today. Good job, bud. Good job. You've done what you're supposed to do. No, prayer is an opportunity to have an intimate encounter with Jesus, the one who gave everything for us. So that's the main point tonight. If you take anything away from the sermon, that's what I want you to get. So if you need to take a nap because you've got a test tomorrow, go for it. I'm kidding. Don't take a nap, please. Uh, okay, so first question we're going to answer, what is prayer? So it, okay, so the first point is this. Prayer is an intimate encounter with God. It's not about being seen by others or fulfilling some religious obligation. That's from verses 5 and 6. I'm going to read it again. I think it's important sometimes to read Scripture twice because the first time, like, for me, I miss things. So 5 and 6 says this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they've already re- received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So to, or to really understand what Jesus is saying here, we have to kind of put ourselves in his context, in that time in history. So, so Jesus is in the center of a hyper-Jewish religious culture. You see, in our culture, you're praying on the street corner, you look like a weirdo. People argue with you probably. Uh, but in that culture, that was a way to look cool, to look, hey, I'm really spiritual. I'm really awesome. I'm really close to God. And Jesus is... Jesus is speaking against this religious spraying. It's kind of like spraying perfume on a corpse. It's like, oh, I'm just going to act like I got it together. But on the inside, you're dead. Jesus is saying, no, that's not what I want. I don't want you to come to Chi Alpha and act all spiritual, but then you're dead on the inside. So when you pray, Jesus is asking, is your motivation to be seen by others or to focus on God? That's the question. And public prayer is not bad. I think it's great. We're actually going to have an all-night prayer night. Uh, it's going to be next Friday on the 5th. I hope you all come. And we're going to be praying together. That's not a bad thing. But if we're just praying so we can be seen by others, God sees right through that. God's not fooled by our religious activity. He's, guys, he's not fooled by it. He sees our hearts. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything about you. And he knows your motivation. So to put this into our, into our modern context some more, if you're in the Christian culture, you've probably seen someone who's Instagrammed their Bible in a coffee cup saying, I just had this really cool time with Jesus. It's probably the only time they read in like three weeks. And like, oh, Jesus just really spoke to me. And if you do that, I'm not condemning you. I've probably done it before. I don't remember, but I probably have. And, you know, sometimes it's cool when you have a good time with God to, you know, put it out there in public. And that's not bad. But, guys, we really have to examine our hearts. Are we doing these things, you know, coffee cup and Jesus, just getting intimate? Are we doing that just to be seen by others? If the one time you pray, do you have to Instagram it? She's saying, no, go into your door or go into your closet, shut the door. Pray to your father in secret. I want to be the type of person that doesn't try to show my spirituality in public. Like, hey, look at me. Like, I want to be ferocious for God behind closed doors. 
I want my family to know he loves Jesus so much. And he's the same person he is when he's at home as he is in public. That should be our heart, to be ferocious for God and not to be seen by others, but, but to really want to know him. And God will meet us, just as I said earlier, it says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. We draw near to God in our prayer closet. He will come near to us. And some of you may be saying, hey, I'm too busy to pray. And I get it. Like my wife is studying to take the CPA exam for accounting. And she is so busy. She's getting up at like, well, she's going to bed at like 2 a.m., getting up at 4. Like it's crazy how busy she is. So I get it. Like I get that we're busy. But Jesus was really busy too. That's the thing. Jesus was a human being. He actually like had a life. He had things going on. And in Mark 1, people are just surrounding him. He's healing loads of people. He's preaching the gospel. He's just up all day trying to preach the good news. And in Mark 1.35, it talks about his prayer life. Let's read it. So he made time, is the point I'm making. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, that's scary for some of us, scary for me, while it's still dark, he departed and went out to, to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Isn't that funny? The Son of God, he's God himself, he thought it was important to find time to pray. Like he needed prayer to, to be able to be, the person that, to be the person that he was destined to be. He needed that. He needed to talk to his father. And some of us try to do Christianity and follow Jesus without praying. How silly is that? God himself prayed. We should probably pray. And he found time to do it. He got up early. I don't want to get up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m., whenever that was. That's early. But God calls us to that. So I just want to challenge you guys. Like even if it's just a few minutes a day, just carve out a little piece of time to pray. It's a little piece of time. All right, second point is this. Prayer, it's giving God your attention and affection. It's not about the beauty of the words prayed. And this is something I run into all of the time. People saying, I don't know how to pray. It's not going to sound right. It's goofy. It's just goofy. That's the only thing I can say. Like, let's read this. Verse 8, it says, it says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. God's not going to be stirred by how beautiful your words are. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Like, if I say, dear Father God, mm, dear Father God, like, if I say, like, this cool phrase, it doesn't mean God's going to hear me anymore. He's looking at our hearts. He's looking at our hearts. That's what it's about tonight, guys. It's about our hearts. Like, where is your heart at? Jesus is pushing past all the exterior things we do and saying, I want to get to your heart. Are you praying to be seen by others? Are you just trying to say fancy words? No, prayer is about giving God your heart, giving God your attention and affection. It's not about the beauty of the words prayed. Jesus is calling us to really engage with God when we pray. Not just to pray the Lord's Prayer before bed because I'm supposed to or, or mama told me to. Or there's a plaque on the wall that has the Lord's Prayer and I should read it because then I'm a good Christian. No, God is calling us to an intimate relationship with him. That's what's beautiful about God, about Jesus. He doesn't want your good works, just doing good things to get into heaven. He doesn't want some, or some religious exterior thing. What he wants is your heart, and he wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. And prayer is just one way we can connect with God. And like I said, prayer is not about the words you say. God is after your heart and not the words. We need not overcomplicate prayer. Just a conversation with our Father who loves us, our good, good Father. So when I was 15 years old, 
I was at dinner with my parents one night. I think it was Buffalo Wild Wings. Kind of funny. We're going to beat ups later. Uh, and it was after a church service, and I was kind of a fiery kid. I was all pumped up. You know, Jesus showed up. I was like, yeah, pumped. And uh, so my parents were talking about some financial struggles they had. This is probably around 2008, so the economic collapse. And my dad owned a business, and they were just saying, hey, like, you know, we're struggling right now. And uh, which is cool that they told me that. I mean, they really trusted me, a 15-year-old kid. I don't know. But anyway, so they said that. And then I just felt like the Spirit of God, just like, okay, so in the Old Testament, it talks about how the Spirit of the Lord rushes upon people. And I felt like God just like was sitting on my shoulder for a second and saying, I want you to tell them that they're going to get an unexpected check in the mail tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm going for it. So I told him, I was like, Dad, Mom, you're getting an unexpected check in the mail tomorrow. Like, I didn't say, Dear Father God or Baby Jesus, like, none of that. I just said it. I just spoke it out, and God knew my heart, and he knew it was a prayer, because I can't make things happen. It was a prayer. I was saying, God, give them that check. The next day, they got a check in the mail, and they paid, ex- or it was exactly what they needed to pay their bills. Jesus wants to have an intimate relationship with us and to speak to us. And guys, or like I said earlier, it's not like this voice, or it's not this voice up in the cloud saying, Daniel, tell them they're getting a check tomorrow. It's not what it is. It's just things get put on your heart. Like with my brother Aaron, I just felt his name on my heart. I was like, I need to pray for him. And I just felt like I needed to tell my parents that they're going to get a check in the mail. Prayer is an awesome privilege we have. It's not, it's not meant to be this hyper-religious or mystical, complicated thing. There's not meant to be some secret formula for it. It's just conversation with God. And he loves you. You're his kid, you're his child, he created you, he knows everything about you, and he just wants to talk to you. So just to review, if, or if Jesus is answering the question, what is prayer, this is what he would say. Prayer is an intimate encounter with God. It's, or it's not about being seen by others or fulfilling a religious obligation. And then prayer is giving God your attention and affection. It's not about the beauty of the words prayed. So I want to answer one more question tonight. How should we pray? So what we're going to do is go through the Lord's Prayer, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard before or read yourself. And we're going to break it down and say, how do we put this into modern language and pray this prayer with our whole heart? Because I don't know about you, it's kind of hard for me to pray with my whole heart or in words I don't understand. So to really understand, what is God getting at here? What is Jesus getting at here? So we're just going to go right through the prayer and break it down. So let's start with verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the first thing we should do when we're praying, the first thing we should pray for is this. We pray to our good Father with respect and adoration. We address God with respect and adoration. There's like a two-pronged thing to this. So the first thing is saying, Father, because it's an intimate relationship. He's our dad. God loves you. He knows everything about you. It's saying, Father, and the, or the word that was used in Jesus' language is this, or this word called Abba. And it's what the Jewish children would use to address their fathers. Say, Abba, Abba. So God's just calling us to say, Dad, Dad, I need to talk to you. Dad, I love you. Can I talk to you? Dad, Dad, Dad. Just like a little kid talking to his father. So it starts with that. But then we get to this, this aspect of respect and humbling ourselves before God. And it says, hallowed, or it says, in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we pray to God as our Father, and we also pray to him with respect, recognizing his greatness, that God stands above the universe, 
and he knows every single thing about you. He's so powerful, so strong, and he wants to meet with you, saying, Father, wow, Dad, but then also saying, in heaven, hallowed be your name. I humble myself before you. I humble myself before you. So that's how we start our prayer. We need to praise and adore God for who he is. Prayer is not always just praying for things and saying, God, give me this. God, give me that. It's saying, God, I love you. God, you're good. God, you're faithful. And Jesus goes on. He says, your kingdom come and your will be done. I don't know about you, but my prayers don't sound like that a lot of times. It's more like, God, I need this money. God, give me a new car. God, give me, I don't know, I'm trying to go on. I didn't have anything in my head. Let's go on. On earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> so the second point is this. We pray for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done in our lives and in our world. So after instructing us to address God as both father and then, or then recognize that, that God deserves respect and he's in heaven, hallowed be his name, Jesus then challenges us to surrender to him, to not make any demands of him, and just say, your kingdom come, and your will be done. Not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. God, your kingdom rush into my life and remove all the junk. God, have your way. God, I want this job, but if you don't want me to have that job, then I don't want it, Lord. God, I surrender to you can be really tempting to be selfish when we pray and just pray for selfish things. Jesus is standing, standing against us and saying, pray for God's will. And that doesn't mean we can't pray for needs. I pray for needs all the time. I pray for my bills to be paid and all those things. It's not bad to pray for things. It talks about, or, or actually in multiple passages, or about just asking whatever you wish. Jesus says that. So it's not bad to pray for things, but, but God wants us to check our hearts and say, ultimately, Lord, I want your will to be done. And I believe that if a group of people on our campus would start praying, God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done. I just think that God could begin to invade our campus. And God would begin to have his way, not our way. All of a sudden, all of a sudden we would stop being in the way of what God wants to do. And he would begin to flood our campus and do what he wants to do. I challenge you guys, let's start praying for God's will to be done, not ours. So Jesus continues, give us this day our daily bread. That's verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. So the third point is this. We pray for provision in our lives, trusting God for everything. Some of you are saying, I don't need to pray for provision. You know, mama got me the meal plan. I got like 6,000 meals. I bring all my friends. I don't need to pray for daily bread. <laughs> I know you guys have a lot of meals because I'm always asking, hey, you want to guest pass me? <laughs> I'm like, please, it's so good. <laughs> but <laughs> Taylor's like, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but anyways, and Derek. Okay, so back to the point. So uh, the Christian life is ultimately, it's one of trust. Our salvation starts with trust. It's trusting God to, to pay for our sins and for Jesus to or stand in our place. So God, or so when God looks at us that he doesn't see our sins, but he sees Jesus. It's trusting that God will see Jesus and not us when we die. It's one of trust. And it, guys, it's not just trust for salvation. It's also trust for daily bread. It talks all the time in the Bible about how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And that doesn't mean you can't be rich or have money and be a Christian. But God's going to be fighting for your affection every day saying, who do you trust? Do you trust that bank account or me? 
And God's calling us every day to come to him and say, I trust you for my daily bread. I recognize that this is a gift from you. I recognize that this breath I'm taking right now is from you and that you could take it away in one second. It says in James 1.27, it says, every good gift and, and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So every good thing is from God. Every good thing is from God, and we should thank him for it. You know, sometimes we say, hey, hey, why do bad things happen to good people? The reality is, is that this word should be hell because of our sin, but every good thing, sleep, food, actually money as well, all these good things are from God. All of the goodness in our world is from God. All the evil in our world is because of us. So we can't shake our fists and say, why do bad things happen to good people? We actually should be saying, God, how in the world do good things happen to bad people? How in the world do good things happen to bad people? Because we're so terrible. God, we deserve hell. But you came and sent your son to die on the cross for me. God, you gave me food today. God, you gave me another breath. Thank you, Lord. I trust you with my life. And I recognize that you're so powerful that in a second you could kill me. But you don't because you love me. God is challenging us to say, give us this day our daily bread and to trust him with everything. So when Emily and I were freshmen in college here at UNI, or we felt like God was telling us to get married, and everyone thought we were crazy, and we were crazy. We were dating for like three months, four months. We're like, yeah, we, Taylor and Derek just did it too. But hey, hey, we think we need to get married. But the problem was I didn't have a job the first month, or so the first semester. <laughs> and uh, well, she worked in the Rialto, and you know that's not great money. It's like, what? Seven, okay, anyways, we worked there, I don't want to diss it. Uh, in the second semester, I worked at Biscotti's, and that was the worst job of my life. Uh, but anyways, the point is, like, like, neither of us could afford to pay for a wedding. And, and we got married after our sophomore year, so we had some time. But, you know, both of our parents were really struggling financially at the time. Uh, and there was just really no way to pay for it. But, but we said, God, if you want us to get married, then we'll trust you to pay for it. And... It was crazy. So, so, so around the same time, one of Emily's relatives comes into a bunch of money from inheritance, just a bunch, like just gets really blessed. And he thinks right away that, hey, I'm going to give some money to them. And he gives us $3,000 to pay for our wedding, to help pay for our wedding. We didn't ask for it. He just gave it to us. God said, if you trust me, I'll take care of it. And we found a way to pay for our wedding. I think it, like, there was a bunch more money that came in from other places, but God took care of us. God said, if you follow my walk, guys, I'm not saying just go get married and God will pay for it. You might not be on the right track. You have to really know that God wants you to get married. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks at this Loveology series, which I'm pumped about. Come on, sex. Let's talk about it. Marriage. Let's talk about it. It's going to be awesome. But anyways, I'm on a sidetrack. God's calling us to trust him. And the thing that's crazy, so, so we trusted God to pay for the wedding, and then we were planning on moving up, or just moving up to uh, Minneapolis, and it's a really expensive place to live, and neither of us had jobs. And we get up there, we have just a little bit of money in the account from our wedding. We're like, all right, we need jobs. We're living downtown. It's expensive. First, like, three days, we both get jobs. Boom. And then God provided each month. I made, like, like it was bad. I didn't make any money because I worked at Target. Uh, it wasn't great money either. I'm not trying to diss on all these places. And we made some more money than I did. She worked at Applebee's and, and was a waitress there, and you make good money doing that. But, but God provided each and every month. Like, I remember there's months I'm like, I do not know how we're going to pay for our bills. Like, like, we're married, we're 20 years old, and we just had to pray, give us this day our daily bread. 
I'm being honest, I lost like 15 pounds that first semester. Because I don't think we eat, <laughs> guys, we didn't eat very much. But God provided, and I've gained it back now, so I'm good. No. <laughs> but God provided for us. And, and every single month we could pay our bills. I still don't get how it happened. Because I think now, I'm like, how did we live off of that money? We didn't make barely anything. But God took care of us with really just a little bit of help from our parents, but not much. And God said, I'm going to be your provider. But the reality is, is if we're doing better with finances, God still calls us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm so thankful for that time in my life because I learned to trust God each and every day. But we need to continue to, to do that even if the bank account's looking pretty. Like you got just G's in there. You're just like, come on, I got money. I'm good. Still pray, God, give me daily bread today. Take care of me. So we'll move on now. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So the fourth thing is we pray for forgiveness and also forgive others. You know, we like to get forgiveness, but to forgive others, it's a little bit harder sometimes. People are really, people are messed up, including us, and people hurt us. It's really hard to forgive people. But the reality is, is the Bible paints this picture that, that you can't really be forgiven by God if you're not going to forgive other people. Jesus says, how can I forgive you if you're not going to forgive others? So it's saying here, it says, forgive us our debts. So each day we should pray for God to forgive us. But then it says, or just assumes that, or that we've already forgiven our debtors. It's like, that's already been done. So before we even pray for forgiveness, we need to forgive other people. But then also we do pray to God to forgive us. So this isn't saying that each time you sin, you need to pray that God would save you again. Because, you know, when Christ covers your sin, it's paid for, it's bought, it's paid for. You don't need to each day say, forgive me for that sin, that sin, that sin. Crap, I forgot one, I'm going to hell. No, that's not what Jesus is saying here. But just like when me and Emily get in a fight, like we don't get divorced when we get in a fight, or, or get in a fight, but I do hurt her, and I'm called to go and ask for forgiveness. Like not that we've been divorced, I need to restore that. We're saying, hey, Emily, can you forgive me? I was a jerk. I'm a jerk sometimes. But Jesus is calling us into that same kind of marriage relationship where God's committed to us and we're committed to him. But each day we need to say, God, forgive us for what I've done. I think it's a great way to start your prayers, to say, God, forgive me, and if there's things in my life that I'm not noticing, please show those things to me. It's just, it's a good way to walk with God. So let's finish this up. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So the fifth and final thing is, is we pray that God will help us in our fight against sin and the plots of the enemy. That's verse 13. So isn't this a powerful ending to our prayer? And as I'm picturing this prayer, I'm picturing it as something we pray in the morning when we wake up, just saying, God, there's going to be a lot of temptation today. There's going to be evil plots from Satan trying to take me off of my relationship with you. He's saying, end your prayer by saying, God, help me. Help me to flee those temptations. There's some people in this room who struggle with pornography. That's just the reality. It's our culture. Like I know there's people, probably a high percentage of you. What if we each and every day prayed, God, lead me not into temptation. I know I'm really going to be tempted to lust after a guy or to lust after a girl or to look at some images that I shouldn't. Or maybe I'm going to be tempted to, to do something sexual with my boyfriend or girlfriend. Or maybe I'm going to be tempted to be greedy. Whatever it could be. But saying, God, help me. God, help me. Lead me not into temptation. I know Satan's going to try to attack me today. Deliver me from evil. Think about how much more engaged and alert we would be that day. When we start out the day saying, 
God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I encourage you, if you're struggling with any type of sin, begin your day by praying that. Lead me not into temptation. And this concludes the prayer. So let's review this really quick, because I know it's a lot of stuff tonight. Start with the first point. So, guys, if you're trying to get a picture of how to pray, and I encourage you to pray this in the morning, this is how we should pray. We pray to our good Father with respect and adoration. Then we pray for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done in our lives and in our world. Third thing is this. We pray for provision in our lives, trusting God for everything. We pray for forgiveness and also forgive others. And then finally, we pray that God will help us in our fight against sin and against the plots of the enemy. Obviously, these aren't the only things we can pray about. Pray for things that you need. Pray, hey, God, God, I really want to get this job. God, I really want to get into this school, whatever. Pray for those things. That's good. But this is a guide for us to pray and get our hearts right every day. So I encourage you to start with this prayer, praying these things. And you don't need to say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be. No, pray it, pray it in the way that your heart is or in the way that your heart is leading you to pray it. But the point is, is we need to commit ourselves to prayer. We need to commit ourselves to having intimate daily relationship with Jesus, the one who gave everything for us. The worship team would come up and just begin to play quietly in the background. The main point today was this, if you, if you need to be reminded. Prayer is not just a religious activity, but it's an opportunity to have an intimate encounter with Jesus, the one who gave it all for us. Prayer is not just a religious activity, but it's an opportunity to have an intimate encounter with Jesus, the one who gave it all for us. God loves each and every one of you. That's that's the reality. And he desires to have an intimate relationship with you. He desires to have an intimate relationship with you. He doesn't want your religious actions or your filthy rags or saying, ah, I'm going to act spiritual today or come to Kyle and just raise my hands because that's what I'm supposed to do. No, God wants to know you and he wants to know you daily. I just, I get so frustrated when people try or try to live the Christian life but not spend time with God. How can you have a relationship and not spend time together? How can you be a Christian? Like guys, just putting it on your Facebook doesn't make you a Christian. Christianity is not, it's not this religious thing where, or where we do good things and then God will love us. Christianity, it's a relationship. You see in Genesis 2, paints this picture. It's in the very beginning of the Bible. It's talking about the creation of the world. And God is walking with, God's walking with man in this garden. Like God is like, like walking with man. I'm thinking that would be pretty crazy. So God, so God had this intimate relationship with the first man and woman. And then the man and woman chose sin over God. They said, you know what? I'm going to choose God's gifts over God. I'm going to make good things into ultimate things. He said, I'm going to choose God's stuff over God. And because of their choice, that has come to each of us, the whole human race. You know, God would be perfectly perfectly just to just say, all right, like you guys made your choice, you've chosen your God. And we know, or in our lives, we've each chosen God's stuff over him. Let's be honest. Like we've all sinned, we've all chosen things that aren't God. And said, are we made things that God's given us as good gifts and we twisted them and made them our little gods in our life, whether that be money or sex or whatever. 
the cool thing about our God is he doesn't leave us that way and he doesn't say, hey, try to work your way up to me. God says, I'm gonna send or send a rescue mission and, and throughout all eternity, God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have just been an intimate relationship. The Trinity, it's this thing we talk about in the church, the Trinity. And God says, I'm gonna send Jesus, my Son, one member of the Trinity, to come as a human being to live in our world, which is pretty messed up, let's be honest, to live in our world, to live a perfect life despite all the temptations, the same things we're tempted with, same exact things. And Jesus lives a perfect life, and then he goes to the cross, and he dies on the cross for each of our sins because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It says all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, so each of us deserves to be on the cross. We've each sinned. We know we've sinned. And the wage of sin is death. That's the penalty, and God's a good judge, and as a good judge, the penalty, or the penalty needs to be paid. But God says, I'm gonna pay the penalty myself. So it's like the judge getting off of his stool and saying, hey, cuff me, I'm gonna pay the penalty, and then letting a criminal go free. That's the God we serve. I don't know about you, but I like Christianity. I like Christianity. I like Jesus. Jesus isn't telling you to just, you know, get better. He's not saying that. He's saying, come. Just bring all your junk. Just come to me. I just want to know you. That's what he's asking us to do tonight. And the saddest thing to me is that when we accept that penalty that Christ paid and, and we say, yeah, yeah, I'll trust God. I can get out of hell. That sounds good. But then we don't pursue God at all. We don't pursue an intimate relationship. We don't read our Bibles. We don't pray. We don't talk to God. We don't share our faith with anybody. That's what breaks my heart the most. It's what breaks my heart about me because I struggle with it too. There's days where I just don't want to read my Bible, don't want to pray. I'm just like, hey, I want to do my own thing today. Play video games and just be a bump on a log. That's how I feel some days. It's such a tragedy because God gave everything for us and the only way we should respond is by giving everything to him. And the cool thing is it's not this work thing. It's this beautiful relationship where it's where we have an intimate encounter with God, the king of the universe who loves, the God who loves you and has seen every terrible thing you've done. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins so that we could go back to the garden and walk with God daily. And we're missing out. Guys, we're missing what we're made for if we're not walking with God through prayer and Bible reading. And we're missing the point. If you try to find other things to fulfill you, it's gonna come up short. The only thing that's gonna fulfill the deepest desires of your heart is a relationship with Jesus, the King of the universe. If you guys would stand with me. I just wanna challenge, there's a challenge I wanna make for you guys this week. I wanna challenge you to pray for 10 minutes a day so set aside time just for 10 minutes. Like set aside time, just, you know, sitting in your dorm or whatever. You say, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes a day. And if you don't know what to pray, just pray the Lord's Prayer, some variation of it. And then also, I want to challenge you to pray as you're walking or driving between destinations. So you're going from Saban Hall to the Union. I guess it's not very far, but you can pray then. If you're driving to work, whatever. Just take that time and pray, and it doesn't need to be super religious. Just talk to God. He loves you, and he's going to meet you. I just want to commit as a group to pray. I think when we begin to pray, God's going to move. We're going to see God's activity in our lives. Increased prayer equals increased activity from God. So there's a couple ways we can do this by praying, you know, by, or by ourselves, like I said. And also, like next week on Friday, we're going to have this thing called all-night prayer. 
we can stay up all night hanging out with our friends, playing video games, going to the bars, whatever. Guys, I think we can stay up all night and pray with Jesus. And we're going to pray for incredible things. Pray for God to move on our campus. Pray for God to move in our hearts. Pray for God to move in our state, in our nation, which we need to pray for our nation. There's a caucus thing coming up on Monday. We need to pray for our nation and pray for the world. Because there's, guys, the Middle East is just going crazy. And we're going to spend some time to just pray that God would intersect that place in our world. We're going to spend time praying for things bigger than us. And I just encourage you to come. It's next Friday on the 5th. We're going to meet at 8 p.m. at Glad Tidings Church and just hang out together. And we're also going to do some worship, too. But we also have prayer before our services on Thursday nights. It's at 720. Get here at 720, and we'll pray together. And sometimes we have prayer on Wednesday nights as well or at Glad Tidings Church for just, an, or just like a half hour. So with all that said, would you guys just close your eyes real quick and bow your heads? And just nobody looking around. If you're a Christian in this room, like you've been walking with God, but you feel like God's calling you to, to start praying more in your own time, to, to, to have this intimate relationship with him, like if you're feeling God calling you deeper into that, and I know that I'm feeling that call, I just want you to raise your hand and just say, God, God, I want to get to know you more. God, I want to spend some more time praying. And no one's looking around. There's so many hands going up. Just making a decision that I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for myself. I'm going to pray for our campus. I'm going to stand in the gap for my friends. God, I want to pray. So that's the commitment we're making. You can put your hands down. Second thing is this. If, if you came to this place, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never like prayed a prayer for forgiveness or put your faith in him, or you have done that, but you walked away, I believe that God wants to meet you tonight and just you know, start back up or start for the first time and say, hey, let's go on this journey together. If you just want to put your faith in Jesus or, or to recommit to Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand. It's just between you and God. See that hand. See that hand. Is anybody else? Anybody else in this room? See that hand. Awesome, guys. You can put them down. All right, so I'm just going to pray for us as a body to pray more, like to have the spirit of prayer. And then I'm going to pray for those who want to get saved and put their faith in Christ. And as I'm praying that, just pray it in your heart. Just whatever, just whatever comes to your heart, just pray like, Jesus, like I need you. Jesus, I need to put my faith in you. Just pray whatever is on your heart. So God, we come to you and we just ask you to help us in this commitment to pray, this, this or God, this resolution to be a praying people, to pray, to pray individually and to pray as a group, to set aside time to commune with you and to talk with you and to praise you, God. God, I pray that you would help us in this journey to make 2016 this year of prayer. And secondly, Lord, I just want to pray for those who raise their hand to put their faith in you or to recommit. God, I pray that right now as I'm speaking, that you would do something supernatural in their hearts. It talks about in the Bible how there's this moment where we're born again. God, I just pray that you'd make people become born again by putting their faith in you. God, we're trusting you. We're saying... Jesus, we trust the sacrifice on the cross and we want to know you. We want to be in relationship with you. Come take our filthy rags and replace it. God, replace it with righteousness. Replace it with goodness. God, we thank you. We love you. Pray all this in your name. Amen.